0: Older breast surgeons had a philosophy where they would do a mastectomy, so remove the whole breast and and the nipple, and you just have a transverse scar across your chest, no breast, no nipple, nothing. And they used to say, quote unquote, that they need to earn their reconstruction. Literally, that is what they said to patients, that is what they said to trainees.
1: Hey ReFam, I'm Kate and this is Keeping It Real, the podcast revisiting the traumatic things surgeons used to say to their patients. This week, Kim and Richard join me to chat about breast reconstructions. Breast cancer is actually the most commonly diagnosed cancer in Australia, with approximately 55 Australians diagnosed every day. That equates to over 20,000 Australians diagnosed with breast cancer each year. With one in seven women being diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime, Chances are you know somebody or you are somebody who has or has had breast cancer. Thankfully, drastic advancements in detection and treatment mean the five-year survival rate is a staggering 91% or 100% on average if it's caught in the earlier stage. In Australia, approximately 40% of women diagnosed with breast cancer have a mastectomy and plenty of those decide to stay flat and are perfectly happy. However, there's been some blowback from patients recently who complained that they weren't given the option to opt for a reconstruction at vital stages in their recovery journey. Studies show women who undergo reconstructions tend to enjoy a higher quality of life, better mental health and less stress and anxiety. We're going to dig into that today as well as how a reconstruction actually works. Did you know reconstructions patients often use the excess skin from their stomachs? because I did not. But before all of that, Kim, what actually is a mastectomy and who needs them?
2: Uh, Mastectomy is removal of all or as much as possible breast tissue. Um, There's a few ways to do it actually. In the past it was done, it was called a radical uh, mastectomy or a hellstead I think maybe the word Richard's nodding, thankfully, (laughs) Um, before my time um, where they cut out a ton of skin, the nipple, all the breast tissue and the peak major muscle um, underneath. So they really, really brutalised these women. Um, These days, uh, most mastectomies, unless the cancer is involving the skin and it is generally done for cancer or someone Mm -hmm. that's got cancer, a cancer gene in their family as a risk reduction procedure. Um, These days, often uh, no skin's removed and the nipple is preserved as well. So um, times have changed even in the last 10 years of how that operation is performed.
1: Can I just say, that seems to be a very common theme, like you describing the old nose jobs. Uh, Brutalised, I think, is a very good word for it.
2: But I think that, you know, in the past it was like, okay, there's cancer here, so let's – cut out as much as we can, yeah, and that's got to make it better. And I think they realised over time that if it's a small cancer, um, that you can actually just take out that bit. So if it's, you know, one, two, three centimetres, they can do what's called a lumpectomy or a partial mastectomy now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there would be uh, – there's certainly indications now to remove all the breast tissue, um, but – they would be less and, and much less aggressive and much more accurate where um, the skin and the, the subcutaneous tissue, so that the fat that's underneath the skin, um, which isn't breast tissue, is left behind and the, the muscles left behind.
1: Um. If you have a cancer gene, do they so they still take all the breast tissue as opposed to a lumpectomy because it's the breast tissue that's the danger?
2: Well, it, de- it depends on whether they have cancer as well. So okay. if... Um, say you're a patient that you've got every female family member that you know of has had breast cancer before and they would usually do then gene testing. And so those patients would go through quite a lot of um, genetic counselling and discussions with them and it's um, timed so that it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, well, you've got the gene and you're 20, you have to have your breast removed. Um, It can be planned um, relative to when your relatives had had their cancer as well so oh, okay. um, you can preemptively then remove it so they could potentially um, have their kids breastfeed and then make a decision in their 30s or 40s be like okay there's, there's 95% chance I'm going to get breast cancer at some stage of my life I don't have it now so uh-huh. I'll have both of my breasts removed and re- and reconstructed if, if they want yeah. um, prior but uh, if they're someone that knows they've got a gene or strong family history and then they develop a breast cancer, then there would often be a discussion as to whether to do with just the lime both breasts or all of the breasts. Oh, okay.
0: But the other thing that's changed is nipple sparing. Yes. So um, back in the day, uh, the nipple and areola was always removed, mm-hmm. whereas in the last probably 10 years or so, uh, the... the Techniques have evolved to uh, preserve the nipple and areola, mm-hmm. um, particularly in, in and, and it's sort of, it, it runs side by side with uh, the, the understanding of the BRCA gene. So picking up patients who don't have cancer but have a high potential for cancer and, uh, and preserving that anatomic structure, which can be reconstructed, but is better if, if if it can be preserved. Um, interesting, your observation that, that we often describe the old type of surgery as being brutal. I, I think it's a good observation. I think that is something that really has evolved in surgery. So surgery, going back 10 or 20 years ago, was way more brutal and a lot more bleeding and it was all done with a scalpel and uh, there was a lot more sort of, uh, you know, um, blunt dissection is what we was referred to um, and techniques have refined a lot um, in our specialty and, and in a lot of other specialties as well um, where dissection is done with um, a diathermy so tissues are cauterised as you go so there's very minimal bleeding uh, and and uh, also sort of minimising how much surgery is done in a, within an operation uh, as opposed to just being radical with everything.
2: The, the other procedure, like that, they used to do a lot of, is melanoma. I remember mm. even when I was a yeah. med- medical student, any melanoma almost got like yeah. a dinner
0: plate f- deformity.
2: Yeah, five to ten centimeter hole made. Wow. And now it's all very tailored to, um, you know, the the predicted risk. So how how bad their initial melanoma is, and so many times now, patients are just getting a couple of centimeters removed around their lesion rather than yeah. It's huge, brutal. My friend had one on her
1: face which looked just like a freckle. She always does things now. It'll be like her photo before and you wouldn't even notice it. Mm. It's tiny, tiny and they cut it off her face and, like, you can't even see that scar anymore. Mm. Like, yeah. at the beginning I was like, oh, that's going to look so really intense and it's just, like, this yeah. thin Maybe thin 20, thin 30 years
2: ago she would have had... A a lot more skin removed and maybe had a big skin graft, which would be really mm. obvious in the yeah. middle of her face. Mm. So how do you do
1: a breast recon? Is there quite a few different methods?
0: We'll start with sort of the most simple and progress up to the more advanced. So if you've got something that's a really small defect, so say from a, a lumpectomy uh, that Kim was referring to earlier, sometimes just some fat grafting will just fill out that area and that's all you need to do. Oh, okay. All right, so that that works really well. Um, then for some patients uh, implants were uh, are a very very good option and there's sort of different ways of doing that Um, you know traditionally people used to have done in two stages so they'd have an expander done put in first to stretch up the more the muscle than the skin because the skin was already stretched but uh, the muscle and then that was replaced with a definitive implant that tech, that sort of stream of reconstruction kind of evolved there there are now um Uh, tissue substitutes so Mm -hmm. skin substitutes that can be used so that you don't have to stretch out the muscle so you can do what's called a a a one-stage reconstruction direct to implant is what it's called so the breast surgeon do a mastectomy and you're putting the implant under the muscle but instead of stretching out the muscle you sort of cover the lower part of the muscle with a skin substitute um. So is
1: that all in the one surgery yep. if like they get the yep. cancer out in yep. the yep. surgery
0: Th- So that's that the- would be the idea yeah. no, yeah.
1: no no,
2: that would be yeah the the ideal way to go around, but there are indications for that. So if a patient needs radiotherapy that it might dictate that that doesn't get done at once one time so it may yeah. be that um, they just couldn't cope with having a reconstruction at the same time as well like yeah. it, mentally but also yeah. medically it would perhaps be recommended against. so mm-hmm.
0: this is going to blow your mind. You ready? Better. It will. So I would say before, or even in my early training, the older breast surgeons had a philosophy where they would do a mastectomy, so remove the whole breast and and the nipple, and you just have a transverse scar across your chest, no breast, no nipple, nothing. And they used to say, quote, unquote, that they need to earn their reconstruction,
2: Live, live with it for a while and see whether you want. Hundred percent. That's something. what they used to yeah. say. I
0: yeah. can name names. I'm not going to. But do I, it. <laughs> no.
2: Kate. Kate has the face. Uh, the emoji face. With yeah. The, very um, Wide open mouth.
0: Literally, that is what they said to patients. Yeah, that's that is what they said to trainees. Older men. Yeah, Oz. I was going to say
1: put men in the bin. Yeah.
0: So, okay, moving back to <laughs> 2021. Uh, probably the gold standard is a um, using your own tissues. So it's mm-hmm. called a free flap. Mm-hmm. The most common tissue to use is the tummy. Yeah. So it's basically the tissue that we chuck away when we do a tummy tuck. There is a way of taking that tissue and incorporating the, its its blood supply with it. It's, it, it was originally uh, referred to as a TRAM flap, which stands for transverse rectus abdominis myocutaneous flap.
1: if so flap. No. Do you even
2: remember? What <laughs> I did,
0: I I, well, that's I a struggle, um, and that's where we took the whole muscle. So that was the original one. So the evolution of this—it's actually really—there's diving back into the history of plastic surgery. That used to be, say, back in the seventies, they could take that tissue and they take the whole take the tissue based on the whole muscle. So your six-pack muscle, and they the blood supply is coming down through the muscle. And they twist that whole skin up and tunnel it under the skin, and then use that to make a breast. Then, in the early seventies, um, microsurgery was invented. Actually, in this country, actually in this city, mm. actually in hospitals that <laughs> Say I trained actually in. actually again. Um, mm. And that's a whole not- that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but
2: History of plastic <laughs> surgery is it's super interesting. It's really
0: interesting. But so that microsurgery was where we disconnected a blood vessel completely from mm-hmm. its source and then reconnected it at a distant site, um, an artery and a vein, so that the tissue would then live. So that, that's, that was the, uh, uh, the start of free flap surgery. And so then...
1: So, sorry, just to clarify. Yep. So... They're getting the cats taken out. Would they still use yep. an expander in no, this scenario? No, no. Going so straight you've to got the, the empty okay. tissue
0: and you basically take all the skin off the tummy tissue uh-huh. and put the f- the fat with its blood supply and reconnect the blood supply.
1: Just in case we've started to lose you all there, there will be an explainer of this on the Instagram with some drawings that you can follow along with. Um, I know we're getting a little bit technical here. Um, but, yeah, just head to our Instagram if you're confused or if you're not. Spend some time on there, okay.
0: And so they, they worked out a way to do that without keeping the muscle attached and and sort of tunneling that that muscle. They totally detached it. Okay. So so basically that tissue, you you would cut it off. It could be sitting on a side table, and then you're totally reconnecting it. Okay. And then the evolution from that, which is kind of in Kim and I, in our sort of training period, mm-hmm. was. Where they found just instead of taking the entire muscle, mm-hmm. you could find just the, the vessel going through the muscle, which is called a perforator, and that was the uh, DEP flap, uh, which is a deep epithelialized inferior epigastric perforator flap. taking
1: notes.
2: Uh, please note the D actually stands for deep, not Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> deep deep inferior. not have enough syllables in it.
0: Deep inferior epigastric perforator flap.
2: Okay. But the the, be, the benefit of the progression of those procedures is the newer ones are much less destructive to the tummy muscles mm-hmm. and much more reliable as well. So definitely in my time I've seen those tunneled tram flaps. Uh, yeah, bad, bad, bad. Yeah, hiccups. it's really
1: fascinating. I think I'd ever thought about it really, but I think like I've had friends, mums who'd have breast cancer and they'd said, you know, they're like, you have to decide before you have the surgery whether you want a reconstruction because we're going to need to put the expander in so you need to decide now and i think obviously it's like a lot was going on she just yeah. told she had start to go And it was like very very overwhelming and so i think all i'd ever i like that's really the only other experience is my nana who just got a mastectomy and i don't think ever cared about it thought about mm. it she was like it would have been 1970 my nana
0: was the same
1: yeah so it was just like cut it off don't tell me about it um so they're kind of my two reference points. And so I think I just was like, oh, well, yeah, it would just be an implant. I hadn't thought about the fact that you would actually be using, like, Fat their graph, own tissue. Graft. Yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. And amazing. their
2: own tissue is amazing because once it's in and it's healed, like, it's a much bigger operation to start with, mm-hmm. whereas for one of a bit of it, throwing throwing an implant is, is yeah. a smaller thing. But... Um, An implant has a a longer lifespan. um, Mm -hmm. Maybe need two surgeries. um, Much more difficult to get a match to the other side. Yeah, that's
1: what I was thinking. Um, Whereas, if you're
2: using your own tissue, it'll go up and down with your weight. It'll um, move more naturally. Yeah, because it's the tummy fat. So, yeah, it's amazing, Um, and it's and they get a tummy tuck, and they get a tummy tuck, and you can do if they've got enough tummy tissue, you can do two sides you can reconstruct both breasts at the same time. So
1: further to my point about my friend's <laughs> mum, you know, kind of feeling quite pressured, being like, I'm, I am don't really know what I want to do. Is it more common that people have their, you know, the cancer surgery and the reconstruction surgery at one or, or do you have quite a lot of people coming six
2: months, 12 months later? Um, it it's, depends on who the breast surgeon is, who the mm-hmm. breast cancer surgeon is, where you live. Um, whether in metropolitan city or in the country, it's still a huge fight that a lot of our plastic sur- surgery colleagues are trying to make sure that every woman mm-hmm. that has been recommended a mastectomy at least has the opportunity yeah. to have a discussion um, with a plastic surgeon regarding reconstruction because yeah. there's a whole lot of stuff going on and Oftentimes it's the breast surgeon that's kind of, like, oh, this patient's not, not up for making having that conversation. But um, it, at least these women should be given the opportunity to have a consultation with a plastic surgeon. They may not be ready to make a decision. Um, and, and it may be a good option to be like, look, I just don't know. You can put a tissue expander in to yeah. kind of doesn't lose a whole lot um, to help make a decision. But... Also, a plastic surgeon's got that step back from the breast cancer surgeon who's just told a patient, you've got breast cancer. Yeah. And I would often start that consultation say, look, you know, you've had a really, really terrible diagnosis recently. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like the, the good fairies side of yeah, things. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, you know, I there's no pressure. I'm just here to give you information in terms of what I can do to – reconstruct your breasts and because the other thing is some of these women have massive breasts or tiny Mm. breasts and say look this is your opportunity to go bigger smaller lifted Mm -hmm. there you know there's potential to do all those things because even if they've got breast cancer on one side and they're looking at having surgery on that side we would always look at both breasts and say look you're a g-cup like Have you ever considered it? Redu- oh my God, I hated my breasts my whole life. I've always wanted a reduction. Okay, what yeah. size do you? Oh, I want something smaller. Cool. Like we can do a reduction yeah. on the big side, and we can do a reconstruction on the other side to match that. So, and that doesn't then have to be done at the same time as a mastectomy. Obviously, it gives them the opportunity to not have to earn their reconstruction to yeah, yeah. to to earn never it. have to. By <laughs> the opposite. Yeah, they mm. never have to live with that, oh my God, I feel like less of a woman, I've got no, nothing there. Um, and they can have the information from someone that's an expert that can give them all the available options in terms of their, what reconstruction would yeah. suit for them.
0: Gotcha. I've got, I've got a patient which pretty much encapsulates every single part of that story, so... Um, It was a patient who was referred to me. It was probably five or six years ago, um, who um, she had very, very large breasts, very, very droopy. After uh, you know three pregnancies, she'd also had previous surgery to her tummy, so her tummy had scars all over it, and and um, so there was some deformity of her abdomen. and she was referred to me. She she got diagnosed with breast cancer, and she was referred to me. And it was around Christmas time, and they had a whole family trip planned. And so she obviously she needed to have her mastectomy done because it was cancer, and she, she didn't want to wait till Jan end of January to have that done. So she wanted to have that done, but she wanted to then have a reconstruction. Um, we did this case together, Kim, and so so we worked out a plan for her where she had her. So one of the big things when they do a mastectomy is if you don't do the reconstruction immediately, the skin just shrinks down and you lose that um, breast shape, the, the the skin volume. It just shrinks down into sort of nothing. It becomes flat. Mm-hmm. And so we want to preserve that, but we didn't want her to go through a big operation that Kim's talking about with the, the reconstruction, which would have meant they missed the family holidays. So... We, we, we sort of tailored the plan to her and um, she had a mastectomy and then uh, we, I just put a tissue expander in to hold the shape of the skin, mm-hmm. um, which then meant that it was a smaller operation, you know probably one or two nights in hospital. Uh, she went home, had a holiday, and then we you know, re- reconvened early in the year and she had her we, we then took tissue from her tummy. So basically, a, a tummy tuck, uh, which fixed up her tummy, um, identical really to what we do for a tummy tuck, mm-hmm. um, and she also she did have a probably a G cup on the other side, and so we did a breast reduction on that side to match what we were going to create on the other side, mm-hmm. and um, and then used her own tissues to make a um, to make the breast. So. That sort of is all of those things. We fixed her tummy, we fixed her breast that didn't have cancer and then uh, replaced her uh, breast where the, she'd had the mastectomy with her own tissues um, and, you know, happy ending. Everything is, is really great and uh, yeah. no issues. A
1: 2014 study said that um, around 47%, so about half of women, don't get a reconstruction. Obviously for a litany of reasons, you know, there's people that – you know, like you said, it's mentally, it's way too much cost. They don't want to go through any more surgery, whatever. Um, a litany of reasons. Is that? Do you think that was quite quite a common conversation you had, especially when you were being like the good fairy that came in, just being like, no pressure. There's hope on the other side. Just letting you know. Do you think that was kind of like a consideration that quite a few patients had?
2: Oh, I think I think it's actually probably more about referral. So pr- mm-hmm. probably that fifty percent that didn't have reconstruction. Um, I would say, of that, hard to say, but maybe only... A hundred percent? Ten, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, like 90 to 100% of those probably never had a consultation with a mm-hmm. plastic surgeon. Like, it would be uncommon. So, and, yeah, that may be medic, medical conditions or... Like, an age really is often not a... Um, doesn't necessarily rule someone out, but... Um, but significant medical complications may be, but it's still there's still the opportunity to have a conversation that doing a direct implant reconstruction. <laughs> I would say it, when I was doing them, my hands probably added forty five minutes to an hour to their surgery. So if they're oh, fit wow. enough to have an operation mm-hmm. to have them stick to me, it, it's not adding. Sure, doing a microsurgery one sided reconstruction maybe super speedy day four hours but Mm -hmm. often sort of six-ish you know that's adding a lot more time but there are opportunities to do something that's still gonna keep them feeling like a woman that's gonna Mm -hmm. have relatively low complications not a a lot longer time than operation so if they're gonna have a mastectomy it's gonna take an hour and it's gonna take you an hour to do a breast reconstruction that they're unlikely to need to have to have revised in the yeah in the, the future then you know okay yeah that makes up they, they sense. they should be given that opportunity to at least make their decision for themselves yeah not by fascinating and elder, elderly hours for a mastectomy no six hours for the microsurgery oh. reconstruction
0: 12 hours if you're doing both sides Kate.
2: Okay. yeah <laughs> but we do stop for a toilet and food breaks Just for those watching In the surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So it obviously rebuilds shape. Can you restore sensation at all or is that gone?
0: No, it it won't help with sensation. So as I said earlier, often it depends on what the cancer is and what the diagnosis is, but the nipple areola may actually be removed Mm -hmm. as part of the cancer operation, um, in which case – the the, the the sensation to the surrounding skin may come back, but when we're talking about sensation in breasts, we're mainly talking about nipple areola. And more often than not, probably the nipple areola is gone. So that's replaced with a patch of skin from the tummy mm-hmm. um, or if it's an implant, not replaced at all. And mm-hmm. so you you do lose that sensation. The
2: other, th- the other sensation, though, that women actually describe that they like the feeling of is the... Proprioception of it. So Hmm. what that means is, if if for example, if they had a mastectomy and they've been wearing a prosthesis, so that's external. And so if you have a heavy prosthesis, it's the same size as your breast in your bra, it feels not a part of you. It feels external. It's heavy. It gets sweaty. It's horrible. Whereas if they have a reconstruction, the skin stretched up, it moves more naturally, and it 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 has that feeling like it's more a part of them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Question for you mm-hmm. the areola. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Heard of her? Don't yeah. get weird. <laughs> do you, when it's gone, do you know mm. how that gets reconstructed?
2: Is it like the knee or the elbow or something? Oh, no. Oh, tattoo. tattoo. Oh. The, the best nipple, and areola reconstructions these days, tattoo. Oh. So There's a lot of women who have mastectomies that get the tattoos along
1: their scars.
0: Yeah. True. Yeah. No, yeah. but you can. There are people who specialize in I just in wanted doing to gain my <laughs> get some street cred back. <laughs> <laughs> you, you lost no street cred. Um, no,
2: they, they, they are techniques and skin from the inner thigh as well because it's a bit more pigmented has been used mm-hmm. as skin graft for um, for the pigmentation. But tattoo, I would never do a skin graft for areola reconstruction. No. Interesting. Tattoo. No, no.
0: So there are, spe- there, are there are people mm-hmm. who do tattoos specifically for the areola. Um, Kim and I mainly would do a, a, a procedure to make a nipple mm-hmm. so you can sort of twist the skin around and uh, raise some flaps and make a nipple. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are now people who do what's called 3D tattoos mm-hmm. which sort of give the impression of having some projection of the nipple as and well. And
2: there's no sensation there. so a But knew. no sensation. Yeah. But they look, um, you know, the tattoos the yeah. that do that, the results are amazing. Everyone Googling.
1: So what we talked about earlier about when you kind of do the reconstruction in terms of timelines, does a reconstruction interfere with chemo or radiation therapy? Say like they waited until they were kind of done with that course, got the reconstruction, but then it came back. What's the kind of effects from that?
0: Yeah, so that's a, that That was always a really important consideration. So sometimes before the surgery, the breast surgeon will know, look, this patient's going to need radiotherapy. And you'd say, and and so they'd refer them. Off. I, I worked with a great breast um, uh, surgeon, if she's listening, and she won't be, but Sarah Kemp, she's awesome. But you know, she just involved me with everything. So she would send me a patient who maybe was going to have radiotherapy, but just to give her, so she knew long term there was a there was a, there was a, a plan yep. to to reconstruct a breast and. And so the, the problem, if you're doing radiotherapy, there's two issues. One, if you're doing an implant and then having uh, radiotherapy, it's terrible for an implant. Mm-hmm. So it does terrible things to the skin. It does terrible things to the implant. does terrible things to the capsule. So you basically, you don't want to do an mm-hmm. implant if there's going to be radiotherapy. By the same token, if you're going to do radiotherapy and you're going to put a flap in – and they're going to do radiotherapy on the flap, it'll, it'll impact the flap, mm-hmm. okay? So it'll make the flap, it'll shrink, it might become harder, a whole lot of things. So mm-hmm. so often if there was n- going to be known radiotherapy, we'd say, look, go through, you've got to have your cancer treatment, that's number one priority. Yeah. We'll get that sorted. S- slightly more important. Get yeah. that sorted. When that's all done, we're going to then bring in new tissue that has not had radiotherapy, and we, we would then replace – and we'd often then use more of the skin from the tummy, just not just the areola, uh-huh. and replace some of the skin that had been treated with radiotherapy with the skin from the, the tummy mm-hmm. um, and then that hadn't been impacted by radiotherapy. But gotcha. Yeah, no, radiotherapy is certainly the enemy of the breast reconstruction. If you've had a breast augmentation and then you need
1: radiotherapy, what do you, do you get the implants out first and then have radiotherapy?
2: Good question. I, I have a, definitely had a, at least two patients that I can immediately think of that have... Mm. Yeah, because women with breast implants can get breast cancer the, yeah. you know, the same as anyone without breast implants can't. And mm-hmm. breast implants do not cause breast cancer. Um, so, it again, it depends on what operation they need. Like, if they need a mastectomy and a full reconstruction, you would generally... Take out the implant, Mm -hmm. Um, but if they needed a lump, if they wanted or needed, Mm -hmm. were suitable for a lumpectomy, you could do that and then still give them radiotherapy because the implants still then protected by some of their own breast tissue. Oh, okay. Um, Just going back slightly to, Mm -hmm. um, and I think your part of your question before may have been about recurrence. So, and Mm -hmm. some of the the reason why some surgeons didn't offer patients reconstruction was because of the risk of not being able to detect any, um, if the cancer was to come back in five yeah. years, ten years sort of thing. And so th- there's certainly scientific evidence that if you have had a reconstruction, that it's not, if you are going to get a recurrence, it's not going to be any worse or any delayed pickup mm-hmm. that whatever your reconstruction is. Yeah, good.
1: So earn it what do you mean exactly
0: i knew that it upset you
2: yeah
1: those disgusting women who got cancer yeah (laughs) um is it harder only doing one mastectomy as opposed to a double mastectomy because there's like less control
2: or It, it can certainly be harder in terms of getting a good match for the reconstruction that you're doing so um uh, if, if a patient's having an implant reconstruction and they've got a natural breast on the other side a natural breast doesn't really look like an mm-hmm. implant on its own and you think um, for uh, anyone that's looked at our uh, socials or been into our office like to know what an implant actually looks like that that's the whole breast there's not going to be any tissue over the top of that so the, yeah. all the shape is that of an implant uh-huh. um, so doing a Bilateral reconstruction is much easier to get them symmetrical. Um, however, as we just said, doing a bilateral free flap free tissue reconstruction is a it, it's a massive operation. True, true, true. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Did you more commonly
1: do single mastectomies or double mastectomies?
2: Probably 50-50, fifty fifty. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's we've had so that. much. This is fascinating. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert: Kim and I don't do breast reconstruction anymore. So. Um, but I, I just think it's important to, to, especially in the current climate, this sort of distinction that we've currently got between, you know, and and it's and it has kind of become more of an issue now with gene testing, that that women who don't have a breast cancer but they know they're high risk of breast cancer, um, are now, you know, fortunately being able to have a a prophylactic a preventative mastectomy and preserve the nipple areola and basically if that were to happen they would end up a, a lot like a lot of the patients that we see today who are genetically usually just don't develop breast tissue and I, I, I think it, it just highlights I think for people uh, that there's a lot more grey between cosmetic what we're refer to as cosmetic surgery and reconstructive surgery than what is maybe intuitively obvious so you know basically you know sometimes these decisions are based on what the cause of it is like a decision to have a breast implant um, is based on what the cause is and people get judged differently if they're having it because they've got a gene in their family that puts them at high risk for a um, breast cancer and a lot of the the community general community considers that is okay but someone who equally genetically just doesn't develop breast tissue often you know no one in their family no women in their family have developed um, breast tissue they're judged slightly differently if they want to have a breast implant so I think breast reconstruction is like one of the most cl- – and there's lots of other examples that we've can we we've discussed in other podcasts. But I think it's a really clear example that there is way more grey between cosmetic surgery and reconstructive surgery than maybe what it, it appears on the surface. And maybe people need to like not be quite so judgy of what uh, some people want to do to make themselves feel more comfortable.
2: In the past probably where someone was having a, a reconstruction and they'd get this big – blob of tissue just shoved on their chest and go, oh, there they've got a breast now. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's after they've earned their reconstruction and then they nice. end up and it may have been, you know, derogatory sort of term, like it looked like a hamburger, because there's no shape and it's not yeah, they've got some something there. And this the techniques have been refined so much over the um, past few years that um, you know, you're really trying to recreate a breast not just a blob of tissue and so whilst it's reconstruction there's still a huge amount of aesthetics and you know cosmetic nuances that you're adding to that so mm-hmm. uh, just a different perspective of the gray zone but it is yeah, yeah it, it's um it, it's super important for women to be offered this opportunity and to be um and that's why rich and I don't do these procedures anymore because we we just weren't doing enough and we're doing a lot more of other um, breast procedures to sort of be experts in everything and so um, leave these microsurgical cases to those, those guys that are doing a lot more of it and they really are refining and, and making um, beautiful breasts out of it rather than just plonking a blob on
1: someone's chest... Can I just ask for my own reference? So would you have so you kept saying like breast doctors for like the oncologists? Yes. Are they breast that specialized? Like yeah. they'll yeah. be a breast yeah. oncologist. Yeah.
2: So Sarah That's Kemp, amazing. who we mentioned, mm-hmm. she just only does breast mm-hmm. and not only breast cancer, but breast lumps as well. Like say you yeah. have, you're like, oh, I've got a lump and it's benign, but it's a lump that needs to come out, she's uh-huh. she'd be the one to do it for you. It so so
1: interesting! So many of you
2: guys, doctors.
0: Oh. No, but it, it it goes to sort of some previous podcasts that we've done about uh, the whole cosmetic mm. uh, surgery industry. How specialized you can be? Well, how specialized you can be, but also sort of our training and our background. So Kim and our background, Kim and my background, is very strongly rooted in breast reconstruction. We did a lot of that, mm-hmm. um, and so. know the techniques involved in that there's a lot of crossover between that and now what we do which is more aesthetic um breast Mm -hmm. surgery um but you know understanding the breast shape understanding the anatomy understanding the tissues you know it it, it go it it, there's as i said before like it it, there's it's a very big gray zone between you know what we're doing for cancer and maybe what we're doing for more aesthetic reasons
1: If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics, so send your suggestions through to us on IG at RePlastic Surgery. That's all for today, and we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.